that might be your best one yet. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program and podcast uh, called Smoking and Toasting. It's the show that's all about craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. My erstwhile and lovable co-host Ian Barry is in the room. Adam, the newly married producer on the Wheels of Steel, and we are here. He looks so married now. For sure he does, doesn't he? He's got a whole different look about him. Not. <laughs> uh, we're here for show number 115. They have uh, still not put a stop to this. I don't uh, I don't fully understand. They tried once. But I'm glad as hell to be here, yes. We just decided to go under a different alias. That's right, that's right. So, uh, we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's actually not too far from true. <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And I guess now uh, also brought to you by B&B Lemon across the street from the Houston location. I haven't been there yet. I know. we got to go. We're, yeah, totally what are you doing after the show? Mm, going to Lemon? With me? With me? <laughs> with me? Yeah. Let's go. Let's All do right. it. It's a plan. All right. Uh, welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. It is show number 115. We have uh, very... Very exciting things to uh, go over and talk about on today's show. We have a full update for you on what's going on with the cigar legislation. There have been uh, some some movements of sorts, so we'll uh, we'll bring you up to speed on that. Um, I don't know if you heard, but there was danger that PBR might go away. I did catch wind Pabst of that. Perhaps Blue Ribbon. Well, it's been saved. PBR will not be going away, so I will have the story uh, on on that for you. Uh, plus, Amazon releasing its first single malt whiskey. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I have I, actually no words for that. I saw your eyebrows go up. We'll talk about that. Um, and um, what else? We you know, we never did. Remember years ago, we had that. Uh, a couple years ago, we had that. Uh, the article about the came or not the Walmart. Oh, craft the Walmart beer. was doing their craft beer. Craft yeah. beer. Yeah, and we tried like hell to find something because we wanted to ta- yeah. taste it. We couldn't find it anywhere. We'll see what uh, Amazon does. Yeah, so th- this should be interesting. Well, uh, I-, I think it might have a slightly better chance at being successful than the Walmart Beer delivered beer. directly to your house? Yeah, well, and now whiskey delivered directly to your house. Think oh. about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, by Amazon. Not a bad thing. Plus, on today's show, how not to be a jerk on a distillery tour... Um, I can't listen to that one. <laughs> and the best bartenders, the greatest bartenders of all time in film and television history. So think about your favorite film and TV bartenders. Will Is be, it going to have something we, to do with Coyote, Ugly, or Cocktail? I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't say at this time. <laughs> I can't say at this time. One of those is on the list. You know, I intentionally don't look these things up because I really want my reactions and <laughs> actions and that's good and and you know things that I say without thinking to be totally honest. Well, and, and it'll be interesting to me to see if we have others to add to this list because this is one that I, uh, I found online. So it's always interesting to me to do those lists and go, okay, how does it? Uh, how does it you know, it's like that in in uh, in sports uh, television now. There's the games themselves, the no, football no. and basketball and whatever game, and then there's this whole industry that crops up with people who talk about what they think about what happened. That's and called fantasy football. <laughs> I think that that's, is that's what called it's fantasy called. football, I think right? That is what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Or the, the, some of these people, it's a fantasy that anyone cares about their opinion. But uh, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll have fun uh, going over that list, and you guys can tell us if you think uh, anything is missing or on the list, perhaps uh, that shouldn't be there. Plus, I think we're gonna. I, I'm anticipating really enjoying our tastings today, Ian. Uh, we're going to be tasting Lakewood Brewing's 
Cold Front IPA. Now, we've had some pretty good luck with the Lakewood, Bur- yeah, Lakewood Brewing they're stuff. They're from yeah. Garland, Texas, yeah. and they've had some good things. They, they're the ones that have had some of those really great uh, um, stouts. and, and the Temptress and, and, was yes, one of theirs. Yes, the Temptress yeah. is from Lakewood. We've right. had like three of those different this, temperatures. This temperatures is definitely the first IPA we'll have mm-hmm. tried from them, so it'll be interesting to see what their take is on that. Anchor Brewing's Christmas Ale 2018 is here, ladies I'm and I'm glad gentlemen. you got it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't? No, I, th- I haven't. I thought you'd tasted it already. No, not the Anchor one yet. Uh, I've tasted uh, You've got the St. Arnold's. Oh, there's yeah. St. Arnold's. I have a keg at my house. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have... Yeah, I went there. I have some terrible news. In uh, fact, uh, if this news is true, we may want to take a moment of silence uh, on the show. Can we take a right. moment? I am sitting. Moment of sil- sitting. Not a full down. minute, but let's just take a, a few seconds of silence. That's hard for me to do, by the way. <laughs> really. I know your your, yeah. your nature is to yeah, fill my that nature silence. is to fill that gap. But um, the moment of silence was for sailing Santa. Oh. I was told I was in specs yesterday. I was told by one of the beer guys there. We were talking about Christmas ales, and he told me sailing Santa from St. Arnold is no more. You can make sailing Santa. Well, I asked him about that. And I, I said, what if, because as far sailing, as I know. sailing Santa was where they took Alyssa, which is the IPA from St. Arnold, their standard IPA, and then they took their uh, Christmas ale and basically combined the two. And I asked him, I said, can we make our own? Is it the same? And at least what his response to me was, no, it wasn't because they used a special kind of hops in the combination. Mm. So it wouldn't be quite the same. That doesn't mean I'm not going to try it. Right, right. <laughs> in fact, we may have to try it on this show, making our own sailing Santa and see how it goes. Uh, but no, that was that was one of my absolute yeah, favorite you mentioned Christmas that one quite beers. A few times. I love that. I like it more than... Than just St. Arnold's Christmas Hill, which is quite Sometimes good. Sometimes I don't understand the words that come out of your mouth, but <laughs> I, I've learned to accept them. That's that's a good friend for you, you know. Well, I, I have know. to understand you. I, just, I know I just he talks you. some nonsense sometimes, but he's a nice guy. It's, <laughs> it, it happens. So anyway, so we will have anchors, and I have not tried it yet, so I'm very excited uh, because that is generally so good. I think my favorite in the past maybe five six years was the 2016. Uh, uh, last year's was good too, but the 2016 was 2016. Fantastic. I remember being outstanding. Last oh. year's I thought was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see what 2018 is like. I'd have to go back and listen mm-hmm. to that show. Speaking of St. Arnold, Bishop's Barrel 22 uh, on the program today. Yep. 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 Not and what you've done, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but there is a whiskey distillery out of Troy, Alabama called, um, you know, I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, I don't remember the name of the distillery off the top of my head. But they make Clyde Mays straight bourbon. And apparently this is a hearkening back to when they made Clyde Mays as moonshine. Back during the uh, back during the days <laughs> nice. of prohibition, and uh, ultimately they legitimized it, and obviously have tailored the brand and done some other things to it. But uh, this is a very should be I haven't tasted, it, but should be a very interesting uh, straight bourbon. So Clyde Bay uh, Clyde Mays straight bourbon whiskey on the show. So we got a lot going on. It's going to be I think a very interesting show. Uh, what about you? How was your week? Did you oh, oh before I before I forget? Yeah, uh, Adam, our newly married producer, and I. Filed a smoking and toasting on location report from Mexico, oh. where we tasted an amazing rum, and so we'll share that with you on the show today as well. So, uh, so I should I ama- tell you about my week first, or when do you I, want to do that first? When I say amazing, this is the best rum I've had in a like 
it may be the best one I've ever had. Like, it, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever had one that I've thought was better. It was outstanding. What was the uh, room we had at um, <clears throat> at B and B that time? Oh, you're right. oh, and and you're right. That was that, that was, was just exceptional. That was one out of the uh, yeah out of the coffers yeah, of yeah. Jeremiah. And you know what else? Maybe was better than this was Chris Hart's naval uh, British Royal <laughs> Navy room. That was well. The that story was behind that is yeah. a lot of fun yeah. too. Yeah, and, plus and, the fact that he accidentally bought cases of it instead of bottles. And apparently, which is hilarious. Apparently, I talked to Chris Hart, who, by the way, is the host of the Whiskey Neat podcast, which we Love encourage you to go ahead and and uh, and check out because it's good. But I talked to him this week, and he said he's got some more rums that he's gotten his hands on that he's anxious for us to try. So we will have to have him on the show soon. Don't sweat, Alan. You'll be on first. It's okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, um, uh, so, but this, this room is very, very good, so we'll talk about that. But, yeah, tell me, uh, tell me about your smoking experience this week. Do you smoke anything that was, uh, uh, you know, that was really interesting? Actually, actually a few. Um, so the other day I was uh, uh, chosen for jury duty. Ah, that was Tuesday, so I had to take the day off work and went downtown and sat around for a while and then sat around for a while more and then sat around for a while, listened to the lady say the same spiel over and over again, and sat around for a lot longer. Jury duty, or as I call it, spending a lot of time with the Kindle. Well, they give you like seven bucks or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They'll let entire you buy day. Let you maybe buy a cheap book on Amazon to read while you're uh, while you're waiting. So uh, fortunately, after mm-hmm. sitting around and waiting for uh, quite a few hours. Um, they put a, a, a post up that said, hey, if your number, if your juror number is above this number, you are You're cut, you can up. go. And I was cool. like, ah. And I was downtown, and I thought to myself, well, Main Street is right there. I'm going to go over to McCoy's and have a cigar. That's a great idea. And, you know, it reminds me, the, the greatest thing about being cut from jury duty is you didn't have to stay the whole time, but you still walk away feeling like you did some civic duty right right i showed, showed up. up right you were there just in case <laughs> so. right. and when you're headed to mccoy's even better mccoy's uh uh fine cigars downtown houston so well uh, yeah i mean it was just a few blocks walk so i went over there and uh and hung out and had a great time i had one of the uh, uh fuente reservas which was fantastic but that's not what this is about Ooh. oh really i'll review that later because i'm gonna go buy more of that um <laughs> Well, there's the review right there. <laughs> He's going to buy part more. Of it. <laughs> He's going to buy more, ladies and gentlemen. I, I was looking in my humidor last night, and I thought, you know, uh, I need to smoke something for a show. You know, I like to do it you know, as close to the show as I can get away with mm-hmm. and uh, sit down and, you know, enjoy it. So I had a little time last uh, last evening, and I found a diesel whiskey row. Whiskey? I don't think I'm familiar with the whiskey mm-hmm. row. This is the diesel whiskey road. It's bourbon barrel aged. I was going to uh, say it must be a, a, a barrel aged. Yes. And uh, and before I even lit the cigar, I had already paired it with a uh, Founders Dirty Bastard. Their Scotch Ale. I love their Scotch Dude, Ale. Dude, and it's called Dirty Bastard. How can you go wrong here? Like <laughs> you, you, this is a recipe for success, yes. right? Well, I thought so. You know, I, well, you know, I love malty beers anyway. Mm-hmm. A good wee heavy is just all all about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm having something called. Uh, uh, you know whiskey roast so the the maltiness in the beers and the whiskey always match well you know mm-hmm. i mean that's an mm-hmm. easy go-to thing so i just want to talk about this because this cigar was a ride it was really yeah it was interesting from head to toe um the appearance is very milk chocolate smooth very firm uh feel to the whole cigar very few um diesels are generally very pretty very yeah, dark yeah and this cigars, was yeah. this was no exception the the band on it was pretty the it had a little footer on it that was real mm-hmm. pretty 
Um, uh, the pre-light sniff was chocolate. I mean, just milk chocolate. A uh, little barnyard, a little rich soil, traditional tobacco, and a little light spice when I was smelling at the at the mm-hmm. foot of the cigar. Mm-hmm. The pre-light draw, I used a punch. Effortless. Effortless draw. Just absolutely beautiful. The uh, the flavors that came through on the pre-light draw, sweet. That spice was very sweet to me. It was very sweet spice. Um, toast and chocolate were the biggest things that came through. Um, I lit this thing up, uh, and I got this huge, toasty flavor, just creamy spice, toasty flavor, a little walnut shell. You know how it's got a little astringence mm-hmm. to it? A mm-hmm. little bit of that, which I kind of enjoyed, milk chocolate and malt powder. Now, when I say malt powder, malt if you've powder. Yes, ever had a traditional malt at a malt shop, yep, yep, they use this malt powder that they mix in with it. And every once in a while, you get a little ball of that malt that didn't dissolve in. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, totally it's understand so what you're awesome. About. Like yeah. You seek those out. Yeah, you, know? you, you almost do chewy, and it's almost... It's, <laughs> see, chewy in your malt, good thing. Chewy in your beer, maybe not so I, much. You know, I don't understand you sometimes. It's like, today you're speaking strange. So... <laughs> um, so yeah, that that was uh, that was the initial light. The first third of this, uh, some of those flavors uh, settled back a little bit. I had a mm-hmm. creamy, nice, toasty kind of nutty. There were little hints of citrus on the um, on the outside of the flavor on this, which was really nice. Um, uh, really wasn't expecting that at all. Light spice. It had a pretty full flavor at this point. I would say it probably wasn't a full flavored cigar. It was probably on the on the highest end of medium, or maybe on the lowest end of full. But it was pretty pretty big uh, flavor either way. The second third of this, more sweet spice. Everything started ramping up. More toast. Big full smoke. I was blowing smoke rings because I could. Um, <laughs> lots of cappuccino and malt came to the front on the uh, second part of this, so I was really enjoying that. It went so well with my beer, by the way. These two things like just went so well together. Uh, the last third of my cigar, big, toasty flavors, sweet, malty, and coffee started coming through with a lot of oak and cinnamon for the spice. Um, it was fantastic. The burn was perfect until it just about hit my fingers. I never had to tend it. That's so um, awesome. Yeah, the the ash was uh, about a medium density. I, I probably ashed it four times in the total cigar. This was a $7.50 cigar. Really? I give it a 7, solid 7. Wow. I would have been, like, the way this thing smoked and as fun and as much as I enjoyed it, I'd been happy paying $10 for this cigar. And no kidding. Wow, that's so awesome. So I had the Robusto size. Uh, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of a 5.5 by 52, I think, or something like that. I didn't write it down. But, uh, man, it was outstanding. It was fantastic. For a diesel. For a diesel. Wow. Now, see, I always think of diesel as, you know, when I want something really powerful, really right. big, but I don't necessarily think of them as something that I would rate that They're high. They're not. Diesels are not usually very complex, though, either. They're just big, bold cigars, and I Mm -hmm. do enjoy them very much. Well, again, Uh, I mean, I do. This one, though, had a lot more complexity to it Mm -hmm. and and really took me for a ride. I like all the diesels. That one was probably my favorite diesel I've had. So let me tell you about the cigar that I uh, smoked this last week. Are you going to make me jealous even after that? I was in Mexico. Of course. On vacation with the family, and part of this vacation was... Um, Adam and his fiance Brianna's wedding. So, yes. And by the way, I was the official minister. I got to say the words. Oh, thank you. I got to say the words by the power vested in me by the First Church of the Internet. 
I now pronounce you husband and wife, <laughs> which was which was kind of fun. But uh, anyway, it was we had a great time. It was great, like family get together. And Adam's brother Aaron, his wife Jesse, earlier in the year, uh, went to Europe. And when they came back, they brought me a uh, Cuban cigar uh, that they purchased in Italy. It was one of the things they brought back. And I said, uh, oh, this looks exciting. I'm going to save I'm going to smoke this at the wedding. So nice. I had saved it for the special occasion, took it down to Mexico with me, and had it there for the wedding. Um, it was a beautiful Cuban Partagas Serie D number no. 4 Robusto, packed in a tube. Wasn't a big cigar. It was a, a, even fairly small for a Robusto. Because, you know, when you see the cigar in the tube, you get kind of excited, and then you realize the tube takes up some space. Yeah. When you pull it out, it's always a little smaller than you're, than you're hoping. Uh, but anyway, I pulled it out of the tube. The pre-light on this baby was woody, rich, earthy, and I I had it at the wedding reception for Adam and Brianna's wedding. I will tell you, I have been largely disappointed in the last few Cubans that I've smoked. They've been okay, uh, but I've come to think that Nicaraguan cigars had totally passed them in quality, at least for my palate, right? This cigar, single Handedly made me a believer in Cubans again. I've had those. Oh my God. Like it it was it was rich and creamy, that kind of woodsy flavor I was talking about lasted through the whole cigar. There were notes of leather, earth, cinnamon, little bit of pepper, the complexity was amazing. I just kept looking at it going, Oh my god, this is so good. Um All right, I'm looking at the camera right now. Yeah. Because I want the camera to see this. Okay. I have half a box of those in my car. Are you freaking kidding me right now? Oh, we are so going to lemon after the show. Uh, the complexity on it was amazing. I was enjoying it with a silver rum they were serving at the bar. I don't remember what the name of it was. It didn't matter. Um, this was, hands down, the best cigar I've had in the last year. Hands down. It blew me away. I don't know the price. Uh, you probably do if you've got some of those in your car. Uh, this was a gift, but Aaron did tell me it wasn't an outrageously expensive uh, They're not. Cuban. They're actually way uh, more affordable than you'd mm -hmm. assume. That was kind of what he uh, mm -hmm. implied without telling me uh, how much he'd spent. So, price to quality. I've never done this before. Eight. Holy cow. Eight. That's how much I enjoyed this cigar. Wow. And even though I don't know, knowing that it wasn't outrageous for Cuban, like even if it had been, I would still want to buy another one. That's that's how that's how much I enjoyed the cigar. Uh, I would say if you can get your hands on one of these, for example, if a friend of yours has some of them in his car, <clears throat> do not hesitate. <laughs> That's that's my message to you. Oh, now you'll hang out with Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Smoking and Toasting show number 115. we got a lot to do, a lot to taste. And coming up in the beginning of the next segment, um, Adam and I will file our special report from Mexico on this Havana Club triple barrel aged Añejo rum. And I'll just give it away right now. It was amazing. So we'll tell you about it. Nice. Uh, coming up next, it's Smoking and Toasting, uh, number 115. And we will be right back. Oh, dude. I, I was just so blown away by that. Wow. Whoa. 
Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 115. Uh, on today's show, the best drinks to not gain weight for the holidays. Um, so we'll take you through the spirits, talk a little bit about calories and carbohydrates. And if you're, you know, like so many people, um, you know, gain weight during the holidays because of all the food and the parties and all that kind of stuff. So if you're trying to control that a little bit, you want to like watch it, but you still want to be able to go out and enjoy the party, uh, we'll tell you how to, how to do that. So I figure that's as good of a public service as we're going to do, you know, <laughs> other than telling you Partigas Serie D number four, get them. That's a public service as well. So. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of public service, Paps Blue Ribbon is going to live on. Miller Coors and Paps Brewing Company settled a contract lawsuit on Wednesday in which Paps had claimed that Miller Coors was threatening to put it out of business. Now, no terms were immediately announced, but the parties, according to a Paps spokesperson in a statement, have amicably resolved all outstanding issues in the case. The settlement came as a jury was in its first full day of deliberation. So the trial went all the way to... Jury in chambers deliberating, oh, wow. and then they. So, then they so this uh, just just as a refresher, this came up because uh, Miller was actually doing the brewing for Paps. They produced and shipped most of it since yeah, 1999 because yeah. Paps doesn't have the brewing facilities mm-hmm. anymore. But Miller was saying they couldn't continue to do so once the contract expired in 2020. Right, but in the contract was an extension. Um, what there were two five-year. Uh, Paps said that Miller Coors options was yeah. uh, ignoring two five-year extensions. Gotcha. So, uh, so basically, what happened was they agreed to agree on some sort of terms to keep the brew alive. So, if you're a fan of the PBR, um, and you know almost everyone is, at least in certain situations. Yep. yep. And uh, and so, if you're a fan of the PBR, uh, do not fear; it is still around, and you are in good shape, my friends. So, uh, all right, let's. Uh, I, I want to file this uh, report. By the way, this is we realized after we uh, did this segment. That this is actually the smoking and toasting on camera debut of producer Adam from the Wheels of Steel. Oh, he's been on Mike on the show, but never on. Have camera. we never put him in front of the camera? We've never put him in front of the camera. He's too pretty. That's why. So, well, I was going to say he makes us look like old guys. When you look at this, I'm the handsome one. So just you know, just know that. Uh, uh, so uh, no, we had a lot of fun with this, and uh, and boy, the rum was good. And this is our report from Mexico, smoking and toasting on location. Hola, smoking and toasting Mexico style. Adam, <laughs> producer of the show, and I are here in uh, Cangrejo y Toro, which is the crab and the bull, for those who are uh, Spanish challenged like I generally am. But somebody told me that's what it means, so hopefully that is what it means. I think so. I think so. Uh, anyway, uh, we are here and we've been spending a few days in Mexico, as I think I mentioned on the show last week. Uh, Adam's going to be getting married here in a couple of days, so. We've been doing a lot of drinking, and we have uh, come across something that I was really excited about. As you can see, we've already made a bit of a dent in this bottle, but I wanted to save enough to uh, taste, and Ian, I really wish you were here, because when we were at um, Manny El Cubano Lopez's place uh, down in League City, uh, we we had some rum that he brought back from uh, Cuba, or it originally come from Cuba. It was Havana Club, which is fairly common in uh, a lot of places, but a little less so in the United States because it's harder to get it back. Um, we really liked it on the show, and uh, Adam and I also got to uh, try a little bit of it while we were in uh, Los Angeles yeah. at the uh, at the 
the club where we did the uh, show there, they had some in their bar. Yeah. But what we found here in one of the uh, shopping centers was a Havana Club triple barrel aged. It says on the bottle that it is triple barrel aged and finished in band selected white oak barrels by the Maestros Roneros, which are the master rum distillers. So I thought we would uh, taste a little bit of this, admittedly, not for the first time. <laughs> But uh, I thought we'd taste a little bit of this and talk about it. Ian, I wish you were here because as we have, uh, as we have uh, done this show, I've been able to introduce you to some really good rums, and I think that you would like this one a lot. So I will admit, almost all beverages taste better when you're sitting and looking at those waves that we <laughs> showed true. you in the opening uh, in the opening uh, spot. So, uh, so Adam, what do you get on the nose of this baby? Caramel, caramel, caramel. Well, you're not kidding. It All is, the way. It is a, a caramel bomb almost. There's definitely some vanilla in there. Some caramel. Yes, I mean. <laughs> and maybe just a little bit of darker, like maple, uh, perhaps, kind yeah, of under the surface. Definitely some dark flavors going on. Caramel is definitely the, the primary thing on the nose. And then... Wow. It's just, what has amazed me the most about this rum is actually how light it is. Um, it's actually lighter in texture and body, and even on the finish, than the regular uh, Havana Club. Yeah. The regular Havana Club is aged seven years. Mm. This doesn't have an age statement on it, so I don't know how long, but I do know it was uh, obviously finished in three different barrels. So. That, yeah, you would think that would have an influence on Yeah, you would think little, so. A little more. I'm uh, guessing that it's probably combined from rum, the, rums that are aged in three different barrels, and probably the reason they didn't do an age statement, some of it was probably aged a lot longer than the others. But yeah. it really is exceptional. This is about, uh, I'm not great at, at translating pesos to dollars in my head, but it's about three times the cost of a regular bottle, maybe yeah. just a little less than that. Uh, but it is just, what I love about it is how buttery and uh, just absolutely delicious it is on the, on the, the first taste. Yeah. And then the finish, you get all that caramel, which is just, yeah. just really wonderful. And so anytime you go to the islands or Mexico, <laughs> Must try. It's a highly, Must try. highly recommended. And it's, again, it's a Cuban rum. So what I'm really hoping is that we can find some of this in the uh, duty-free shops on our way back out of the airport once you're a married man. Yeah. And anyone who doesn't like liquor straight like this, this is so easy to sip. It's so beautifully like it's... It's incredible. It really. You're is. right. It is good for somebody that isn't. Uh, yeah, someone who that isn't used to brown spirits. Or, although yeah. I will say, as no smooth, need for ice, nothing. As smooth and light as it is, it does have just a little warmth to the finish. You yeah, get just that little. It's more on the on the once you once you're done tasting everything and you swallow it, then you get a little burn. Yes. You get a little burn down, but it's mm -hmm. not it's not anything like. A, like a, like a, a silver tequila or something like yeah. that. Yeah, just to let you know you're actually having a uh, distilled spirit. Yes. <laughs> but we recommend it highly, and uh, it is definitely worth the cost, especially uh, you know, especially in the translation from pesos to, uh, to dollars. Oh, yeah. So, so highly recommended, Havana Club, 
the Selection uh, Triple Barrel Aged, smoking and toasting on location. So there you go, a little smoking and toasting on location. You know, I I, I love the background there, you, you and there's can't a little bit of it. look. There's a little bit of the sound of the breeze going on. I was, uh, yeah, sound of the waves, totally yeah. jealous on sound that. Yeah, sound of the waves. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite an experience, the whole thing. But yeah, I will say, in that backdrop, there's probably things that I've sampled here in the studio that I didn't really care for that I probably would have enjoyed there probably yes you know what i mean uh, it's just really really but that's you know that's that's so. the whole thing about trying all these different things mm-hmm. is sometimes the experience uh goes with along with where you are and i'm sure that uh, also played in uh, the cigar that i reviewed the the partigas series uh, mm-hmm. d um i'm sure that was part of it too i mean it was a wonderful time we were, everybody was dancing and you know partying and having a good time i was drinking some silver rum from the bar it's like it was just such a great thing and then i lit that baby up and it was like oh it's hard to hate life then yeah it really is <laughs> it really is so that's why you call it vacation you know um okay uh we're going to go ahead and uh, take a quick break when we come back um we're going to try some cold front india pale ale from lakewood brewing and i'm also going to tell you about the um <coughs> uh, the the greatest uh, bartenders on film and uh television of all time according to this article and then we'll debate it and see see what we think so uh we will be right back it's smoking and toasting and we are show number 100 and 15 and cold front ipa is next got it yeah two minutes we're close anyway yeah Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, this is show number 115, and we are brought to you uh, by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And, uh, you know, as much fun as it is to watch the segment where we were tasting rum in uh, Mexico... I'm not sure if it's as fun as actually doing some tasting ourselves. I don't know ourselves. what you mean about we because uh, <laughs> I didn't taste any rum. Exactly. I have no so, rum aftertaste uh, on my exactly. palate right now. So, so we're going to move forward with a little uh, beer tasting here momentar- momentarily. But um, if you are uh, familiar at all with uh, history or if you've just watched Mel Gibson movies uh, and you remember uh, where William Wallace took refuge in 1298 after defeating the English in battle, it's Fife, Scotland. And guess what they've discovered there? Um, is it beer? No, it's the oldest whiskey in the world. Whoa. The oldest whiskey was made, uh, the discovery was made at the Lindores Abbey in Fife. And they uncovered it there. Uh, archaeologists uh, found what they believed to be an installation used for the distillation process there at the Abbey. The first ever written record of Scotch whiskey distillation took place in that Abbey in 1494. And so now they have uh, they have found what they believe to be where the distillation took place. So, um, you know, those of you who are uh, whiskey aficionados, that's a... That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. That's a pretty exciting find. So, yeah. So, I uh, thought I would pass that along. We will also be passing along uh, the greatest bartenders in uh, film and television history. But right now, it's uh, tasting time. So, I like it. 
Yeah, it's the dropping of the cap is is the completion <laughs> yeah, of that uh, of that whole exercise. I, I almost think. missed but, it. Uh, yeah. But uh, so that just sounded. I think my mouth actually started watering when I heard that when I heard that sound. Uh, so we're going to be trying our uh, first uh, first beer for today. It's from Lakewood Brewing Company. We have loved some of their previous. Uh, their coconut uh, temptress yeah. was oh my ridiculous. That was, that was just uh, really really good. So we've loved some of their things before. This is their IPA, and I've never had. The only beers I think I've had from Lakewood have been those, uh, you know, those bigger beer, Tempter Series yeah. uh, type things. So now this is pretty big, though. Right on the side, yeah, it's seven point five percent. Okay, so they're not uh, they're not it's messing thick around too. Look at the viscosity of this stuff. And they're actually describing this, as you mentioned, I think in the last segment, as a winter beer, dreaming of dropping temps and uh, brisk mornings served as the inspiration for this IPA. We crafted a beer that tastes like winter to pair with the season, with the strong piney and dark aromas of Simcoe hops and a big malty backbone. So, um, you've taken a taste. You're looking at me with an interesting look. This is outstanding. Really, really. I've got to. I've got to try this. This is. Uh, this is sweeter than you'd ever expect from an IPA. I'm not getting much on the nose. I will say. <laughs> no, you know, it doesn't uh, have as much nose as you'd think. Mm-hmm. Wait till you try it though, and then give it a second because it does that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This almost strikes me as like a double. Uh, it's almost got a, a, a baking. Or mm-hmm. cookie spice kind of thing going on with the malt. Mm. This is yes, <laughs> it's got and it's got. You can this definitely tell. You can definitely tell the bitter of the Simcoe hops on the finish, but there's something about that sort of malty baking spice yeah. vibe that keeps it from getting too bitter uh, in in your palate. I, I love the artful amount of. Uh, of carbonation in here too mm-hmm. it just dances on the tongue just about mm-hmm. right like right. it's not too much anymore and i think i would have yeah. been a little put off by it but it's just it's, about perfect. yeah it's just about perfect for what's wow. going on here that's uh well, that's a well-made beer it is really it's so interesting to me um to continue to explore beers from places where you've had something completely different, you know, because I think of Lakewood like like the things that we've tried, the Tempter series, right, and, right. you know, the darker, heavier things. So trying an IPA from them is a and having it be this good, wow! My my whole thinking of that brewery just went that's, to another that's level. Outstanding. Not only can they make the style they seem to specialize in, <laughs> it'd be like if you tried, uh, you know, a stout from Stone. And it was amazing. Like your right, right. your uh, reverie for them would go up another notch. You know. Um, you know, I want to point out. Uh, uh, there's a there's a comment on Facebook Live here. My friend Brian put seven percent is big. Come on, man. <laughs> for well, most for, people, seven and a half percent is actually kind of a big beer. Well, uh, for an IPA, for me, that's about where I generally start. Yeah, for, which is why you always bring the beer. But, <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, because when you start there, where do you, where can you go? Not much, uh, not much of anywhere except up. Um, what is what is about normal for an IPA? Would you say maybe you know? I think most of them, yeah, six six and under six usually and under, for yeah. most. You yeah. know, uh, before and a half and five are most sessionables. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then when you get into the doubles and the imperials, this, this has as much bigger, as what so. you call a double IPA. This is yes, huge. That, this is and delicious. and it it kind of feels and tastes like a double to me. You know, it's just got that little bit more this intensity. Is, to oddly it. enough, my friend Brian that was uh, um, piping in there 
really doesn't like super hoppy beers. This is a hoppy beer I think he would be actually be able that to he appreciate. Would like. Very interesting. Mm. So. Well, it is a um, it, it, it's a taste treat. I tell you, it's 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 really quite good. <laughs> and you're pouring more. So oh, see, whenever I, whenever I get you going back for seconds on an IPA, I know we found something. <laughs> you found something. We well, had a pretty good run, though. We've had some well, great we, IPAs on here that we really have. And I'll just mention, by the way, during the week, just randomly, I had another of the uh, Mini Boss IPAs from great. Eureka Heights. That is a Darn fine beer. Yep. It's just outstanding. Just really, really outstanding. So, uh, all right. The best bartenders in film and TV history. An article that was posted on uh, liquor.com uh, about a month ago. They say that uh, bartending is about 75% performance art. But if you're playing the role of a bartender on TV or in a feature film, obviously that number skews higher. You know, you, you've seen them come on and say, I'm not a bartender, but I play one on TV. Uh, well, uh, who are the greatest ones to do it? Let's start. Uh, hold on, hold on. Can, can got... I put mine out there? Mm-hmm. I'm going to start from the top. Sam Malone. Sam Malone comes in at number five on this list. Nice. Sam Malone on Cheers, uh, perhaps the most famous bartender, they say, in, <laughs> right. in TV history. Uh, he seems to keep it together, they say, while other people's lives are falling apart on the show. He doesn't drink, which makes him an interesting person right. to own and and tend a bar. But they have Sam Malone from Cheers at number five. At number four, you had to know this was going to be on here. Tom Cruise as Brian Flanagan from Cocktail. Uh, they say here that uh, this role showcased him as a rising bartender in New York City during the 80s. Uh, they say learning under the irreverent and troubled Doug Coughlin, played by Brian Brown, Cruz's character charms women and virtually everyone he makes a drink for. His personality and relationship with Coughlin make any bar he's in a good time. That, now, you know, I will say that I was before I... I don't know if I should admit this. I've never actually seen that movie. Oh, and see, it's it's one of those '80s movies that's worth seeing. Although is I it, have to admit this: is it craptastic? It is, uh, and I have to admit this: pretty much every movie I loved in the '80s is craptastic. <laughs> like when I go back and see them now, with a few notable exceptions. But when I go back and see them now, I go, "Why did I like this? <laughs> what was I? You know, it, it, it was just a different time. You know, puffy hair and shoulder pads. And, and what's all with that Anthony stuff. Michael Hall anyway? How did he get in every movie? Uh, he was. In every movie he was him and kevin bacon are in virtually every movie made right, in the yeah. 80s uh, it's unbelievable but i will well, say, kevin bacon i mean why do they even make movies without that guy oh like, there's no geez. reason to by the way yeah. kevin bacon if you're making a movie I mean, kevin on. bacon should be that's in where it. you should start exactly like that's as a matter of fact that's how you sell listen i got a movie idea it's got yeah. kevin bacon okay <laughs> we got funding <laughs> it would work perfectly wouldn't it i will say about cocktail uh it was before i started really my current you know, line of thinking, which is that Tom Cruise is actually an alien being who was born on another planet and is here doing some sort of strange reconnaissance. Something. Yeah. I think they call it Scientology, but <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure exactly uh, what it is. Number three on the list. So that was five was uh, Sam Malone. Uh, four was uh, Tom Cruise as Brian Flanagan. Number three, Woody from Cheers. Yeah, you got. They got two of them on there. Yeah, Uh, played by a young Woody Harrelson. It says Woody Boyd was a replacement to uh, uh, Coach Ernie, um, who uh, came behind the bar in Boston. The show likely inspired. It says here many people to take up the profession because of his personal approach. You walk into the bar and everyone knows your name and backstory. It's something that bars today often miss in an age that emphasizes innovation over 
personalization. So Woody from Cheers. I did love uh, Woody on Cheers. He was my favorite. Well, I'll tell you this. To this day, I love a bar that I've been to a few times, and when I walk in, there's a beer waiting for me when I get it up there. Yeah. Like, right. You gotta love that. That just that just makes you feel like either a, uh, uh, I, I go really here cool, way too much, or b I go here way too much. Exactly, these people know me too well. Uh, number two would have been my number one. Mo from The Simpsons. Oh yeah, <laughs> Homer Secret Simpson hobo spice. Homer Simpson drinks enough duff beer, it says, to inebriate a ship full of sailors. Usually, the man who's serving it is Mo Sislak, the cranky bartender who deals with Homer and his buddies after they get off work. As with most characters on the show, he takes on some of the prototypical qualities associated with bartenders: down to earth, straight talking, and funny. Mo is awesome, by yeah. the way. One of the better and more well-formed uh, Simpsons characters. Uh, their number one is Al Swearingen from Deadwood. And uh, if you are a fan of Deadwood, and it's hard not to be if you've watched the show, that's a... That's a I wouldn't see... That's a, I wouldn't have even thought of him. See, I don't know. Totally, I, I haven't watched uh, Deadwood. I've Deadwood, seen, I've seen yeah. like an episode mm-hmm. or something, yeah, but I haven't it's watched on the HBO. show. Yeah. Uh, it says here, in all four seasons of the gritty frontier drama, bar and brothel owner Ellis Alfred, or Al... Swearingen, played by Ian McShane, lords over the South Dakota mining town, dispensing a river of whiskey to the guest at a saloon, and brutal punishment to whoever crosses him. The show's uh, it says reveals little in way of ways of his uh, chops with the cocktails, uh, but no other character on television drinks as much whiskey as he pours. So, <laughs> <laughs> and for that reason alone, uh, he makes the list. Now, I don't know if those were intended to be in you know numerical order, but those are the five. <laughs> Those are the five that they that this, they had on. Okay, on so this we list. also have a we also have a, a Facebook live saying Isaac from the Love Boat deserves I a mention. I loved Isaac from the Love Boat. <laughs> yes, honorable mention for sure. Brian is on fire today. And, Go, Brian. And what about uh, uh, you? Mentioned uh, someone too from uh, from uh, who's the bartender in Coyote Ugly? You know, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't either. I, was I just di- mentioned the movie. But I was distracted during that movie by something. There was something the, else to watch. Other than the bartenders, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's been a lot of great, uh, you know, bartender roles, I guess, in movies, but maybe not, maybe not anywhere it stood out as much as 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 those. I'm trying to think if there's anything that's obviously missing from the list. I think it was actually, from my thoughts, pretty pretty compelling. Wait, mm. who was the bartender on Gunsmoke? Uh-huh. Remember there was a bar in Gunsmoke and they would go in and drink like after they got shot and were waiting for the doctor <laughs> to leave the bottle. Pull, the, pull the bullet out. Right. Yeah. And it was one of those things. Also, the other thing I love about uh, bars on TV is that they go in and order a drink and they never pay for it. No. Have you noticed that? No, never. They never pay for drinks on television. I want to be on television. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're listening to Smoking and Toasting. It is uh, the program that's all about um, you know smoking cigars, hand rolled cigars, fine spirits, and craft beer. We certainly try to find craft beer in this segment. And uh, next segment, we're actually going to do two things. We're going to try. I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can handle this much goodness in one segment <laughs> or not. Uh, but we're going to be trying the Anchor Brewing's <coughs> Christmas Ale 2018, and we're going to open up a bottle of Claude May's Straight Bourbon Whiskey from. Troy, Alabama. So that's uh, coming next. It's smoking and toasting, and we will be right back. Welcome back, my friends. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> I wasn't looking at you at the time, and I was like, "What is going on?" 
Uh, well, welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It is the uh, program that is all about craft beer and fine spirits and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 115. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth and brought to you also by B&B Lemon across the street from uh, the flagship location of B&B on Washington Ave in Houston where I will be later trying to talk Ian out of one of his uh, Pargus uh, Cuban cigars. <laughs> Maybe I buy the drinks. You provide the cigars. I don't know. We it, 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 we we'll work. That something doesn't sound out. like a bad deal. We'll work something out. I promise you. Um, so we got the we got the typical Houston weather for uh, cigars right now. Too. Oh, I know it's great. It's a uh, seventy degrees outside. It's wonderful. It's wonderful <laughs> and overcast. So it's not even like a little breezy, but beyond brutal that, sunny. Man, yeah, it's awesome. So in October. Um, the uh, FDA uh, made a decision to reclassify rulemaking on handmade cigars to long-term status in the uh, unified regulatory agenda. So what this means, and we haven't covered this on the show yet because we had so much going on in early November and then we had the break. And um, so we have, What this means basically is that handmade cigar regulation is still on the FDA's agenda but it's considered now a lower priority and will likely not be addressed in the next year. Well, you know, the FDA saying. spent a bunch of money doing a uh, survey to find out <laughs> yeah. that uh, you know, the kids, kids, don't smoke kids under 18 don't smoke hand-rolled cigars. Yeah. When they could have just asked anyone who does, and we could have yeah. told them that. Yeah. Uh, this is, by the way, the... Uh, the low priority and not being addressed in the next year is despite the fact that their handmade cigar regulations would have an economic impact of greater than $100 million, which means that it should actually be classified as a major rule. Uh, so uh, Florida Congressman Bill Posey uh, sent a letter last week to the Secretary of Health and Human Services urging them to take swift action and alleviate uncertainty by devising clear-cut regulations on handmade cigars. Um, due to the fact, he says, that the premium cigar industry is predominantly composed of small businesses, these entities have and continue to, to suffer disproportionately from the uh, deeming rules provisions, and they urges uh, him to provide relief while the department considers other important tobacco-related uh, issues. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you, Nat Sherman. I'm looking at you, uh, uh, to, you to, their, to their parent company for supporting this and going, yeah, the government mm -hmm. will do the right thing. Yeah, yeah instead right. they're putting that off for you know, maybe over a year. Well, what are the people who hold these jobs supposed to do in that year? Do they follow the law as it's written? Do they violate the law and hope not to be prosecuted? In in view of the fact that it's going to be reviewed at some point, it's it's all very fuzzy, Absolutely very ridiculous. unclear, and is exactly that, sir, the way it's called a bureaucracy. Yes, and it's exactly the way that it that it shouldn't be. And it was my point all along about what those guys said, the guys who wrote the letter, the parent company of uh, Nat Sherman Altria, that basically you're putting it in the government's hands and trusting the government. To make the right decision, yeah, are you? That's a great have idea. Have you learned nothing? 
You know, that's all I that's all I have to say on the matter, at least for now. Where's Alan Denny? Get him in here. Oh. Alan. <laughs> okay, here's here's a bomb for you. You know what yep. just happened in San Antonio? Tell me. You have to be twenty one to buy any tobacco product now. Well, that's true in a lot of places yeah. now. That that is going into more into effect more and more places. So twenty one to buy any tobacco yeah. product. Which I think probably doesn't hurt premium cigars much at all. My favorite thing about that is the article that I read, and I'd have to look it up to find to figure out what it was, but it cited the problems with tobacco usage being mm-hmm. the tobacco usage, vaping being the biggest uh, mm-hmm. culprit of this, is up 50% in uh, middle school and up 80% in high school. And uh, premium cigars. Actually, oddly so enough. Uh, left out of the, uh, of the report. Oddly altogether. enough, they don't say anything yeah, about it, except for the fact then how is raising the age to 21 going to save all that? Because guess what? Most middle school middle schoolers they weren't 18 to aren't 18 in the first place. <laughs> yeah, thank Talk you. about missing the point. Yes, exactly. And leaving it in the government's hands. Yeah, I think the that's only, government logic right there. I think the only thing that could save me from the frustration of this is a particular sound that I love and crave hearing on this show. That was the sound I was thinking. Of. <laughs> there it is. You are the man. I, you know, I just wish the government would regulate my life because I'm too dumb to work on my yes, you, yes. to do well, it myself. You know, they uh, you know they don't want uh, they don't want you uh, to regulate the, uh, their business and stuff, but they can certainly regulate what's going on in the bedroom. So um, you know that's that's <laughs> that's government for you. Uh, so, all right, Ian has popped the top to move away from uh, d- depressing uh, uh, thoughts and, and uh, subjects. Ian has popped the top on what I am anxiously awaiting uh, trying. This is the Christmas Ale. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year from Anchor Brewing, San Francisco, California. They have done a Christmas Ale now for 44 years. This is the 44th. Christmas Ale. That is outstanding. It's awesome. It just makes me happy. And it's different. This unlike unlike the St. Arnold's, which is the same thing every year. Right. And, and amazing. And it's wonderful every year. And, and but, the bells, by the yeah. way, if you tried the bells, it's neck. Yeah, we had it on here. Yeah, we had it it's on the show. Neck and neck. Year. It's yep. unbelievable. Yep. Um this is different. But this every is year. different. They brew it different every year. Yeah, which, they do a different something. And oh, this, what I would give to go back and get 2016s mm. again. Oh, that was just so wonderful. But I'm loving this on the nose already. What do you think? This has a lot of stuff going on. First off, it smells it's Christmas spice. For it sure. smells like Christmas spice, and and but it's got some like oatmeal raisin smell going on, mm-hmm. like oatmeal cookie kind of raisin mm. thing going on. It tastes like that a little bit too, and like you ever had your cookies that were on the tray a little, a little bit burnt on the bottom, but they're yes. kind of good. Yes, it's good. It's, it's got, got that, that yes. on the aftertaste. Oh, it certainly yeah. does. It certainly does. This is really interesting and very different from last year's. Um, I uh, my first blush is I really love it, but I want I want I want more to make sure that I'm not uh, <laughs> You're gonna you, have that to... I'm, I'm not confused on this on this topic. Um, wow, these guys at Anchor they really know what they're doing, don't they? Yeah, they do an amazing job with their mm. Christmas beer. Fantastic. That is wonderful. Well, I don't know if it was genius of planning or what to uh, plan to do the tasting of this and the. Clyde Mays, both in the same segment of the show. It's probably mm. a good idea. Well, who knows? They might go well together. It's hard to I tell. Mean, I'm just saying, what, what are we going to taste next? Mm. Excuse me. It's Clyde Mays Alabama-style whiskey. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, a, a good little uh, <laughs> you know where that's road going. moonshiner uh, action. All that's right. the soundtrack for moonshine. Uh, so here's the story: Clyde Mays is Alabama style whiskey in a traditional. Uh, it's a traditional Kentucky whiskey finished in the Alabama style, bottled at eighty five proof. The it's the state whiskey of Alabama. I did not know this. I didn't know that either. It's the state whiskey, Alabama. Uh, uh, I'm looking for the information that I found um, on this initially, but let me uh, try to tell you uh, the story. Apparently, the Clyde Mays brand motto is, it's better to break a law than cut corners. Which I kind of like. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I kind of like. It harkens back to the days of Prohibition when bootleggers would supply Americans with then-illegal drink. Fast forward to today, and Clyde Mays brand still relies on the nostalgia of these bygone ages uh, to market their whiskey. The bottle actually uh, gives a lot of those... Very old school images. Now I'm going to show this to the uh, to the camera here. If you're watching the show on Facebook or YouTube, uh, it looks great. Definitely has a very, a very sort of old school. He almost looks like a boxer there, doesn't he? You know, yep. Like an old time, uh, like an old time boxer. Uh, but the idea was, I think there would be a pugilist. At a that pugilist. Point, right? I think you're right. The idea behind uh, Claude Mays apparently was that these guys, um, uh, the original Claude Mays uh, whiskey, they actually were making it during Prohibition, and then uh, that in more modern days, they legitimized it, made it legal, refined it somewhat, and I'm looking for the uh, description that I found at one point here, but I'm not finding it quickly enough, so I'll go ahead and open and pour the whiskey. Uh, But the idea was that it became a more... um, you know, obviously a legal and more mainstream sort of drink. Yeah. That's a great song, dude. <laughs> Isn't it though? Love me some Steve Earle. Oh, that sounded oh, that awesome. Nice. Now, uh, this is, I don't know if you can tell from showing it the camera, this is not a full-size bottle. This is like a half bottle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, three, is it 350 or? Uh, uh, 375. 375, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, 375. Uh, this is 46% alcohol by volume, so it's 92 proof. It's straight bourbon whiskey, carefully crafted, uh, and this from uh, from Troy, Alabama, and I'm just going to pour a little bit of it here. My guess is that this will be a little more like in your face than some of the you know uh softer more um you know carefully blended whiskeys i'm expecting something that packs a little bit of a punch here but let's see uh let's see if i'm right so say what you be be what you say it says on the bottle so well there's definitely some uh vanilla going on in here just i'm just smelling right now it's got my mouth watering from the bottle it says clyde may was a moonshiner by trade but a craftsman by heart he made his famous whiskey in hand-built copper stills, uh, while uh, fresh Alabama sp- with fresh Alabama spring-, spring water and the finest local ingredients. The malt, uh, wa- or the uh, he was locked up for his passion. The man was locked up for his passion. A little hard to read because his print's so small. Yeah, it's like eight uh, months. They said he was in prison. Yeah, eight months in the slammer, and then he started up uh, the copper stills the day he got out. So, <laughs> did you <laughs> not to be deterred? Were you reformed in prison? No. I, I know what I'm going to do the minute <laughs> I get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, they say that's one of the problems with the- He does. He looks just like a pugilist on the front. They say that's a one pugilist. of the problems with the criminal system is they, uh, you know, most people return to their life of crime once they get out. There you have it. Because they don't have enough other opportunities. What so. else are you going to do? You're kind of broke when you get out of prison. So, Ian, you've had a chance to uh, sample this on the nose a little bit, maybe uh, maybe now on the tongue? Well, I'm doing research, actually. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm curious as to what you think. 
This has a uh, kind of an interesting spiciness to it that oh, it really does. Uh, that kind of comes back on the aftertaste too. Like it's mm-hmm. it's almost a heat. Uh, there's very little heat to this in the first place. Oddly yes, enough, yes. On the back end, you get the heat. You don't yeah, necessarily get it, and up it front. comes back as a as a warm spice. You know how um you know how the aftertaste on you know what I, I know what it is cider like apple cider almost like that cinnamony warm cidery apple mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yes, yes. That's what I'm tasting. It, on the back it has of this. a little bit of that. Do me a favor. Take a sip of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. As now, long as I'm doing you a favor. Now take a sip of your Anchor Brewing Christmas Ale. Wow. That's pretty wonderful, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. We have stumbled across a pairing here, I think. That makes this taste like a ginger snap. Yes, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it almost tastes like a ginger cookie. You're yeah. so right. Wow. You're so right. Um, I have to go back now and see. Yes, you know. I think <laughs> I think that is. Uh, I think that's an order. Mm. And this tastes somehow smoother after the beer. Agreed. Uh, and also, you pick up more cinnamon flavors in this. Yes, very very absolutely. Cinnamon flavors. On I the, love the, right on the top of the tongue. I love the viscosity of this uh, particular whiskey because it's it's oily. Mm-hmm. Like the oiliness of this. Like you take a sip and it just you can feel that whole. Oiliness, coat the mouth, and it's in such a nice, wonderful way. You remember those? Um, you remember those uh, 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 peppermint commercials where the guy would put the peppermint in his mouth and he would slowly everything would turn to ice. Yes, this has the opposite warming effect. It's <laughs> right, like right. it's amazing, like that. It's really nice. Uh, you know, it is not exactly what I would have been expecting. Although it does have that little bit of sort of upfront like pow to it right. that I was expecting. But beyond that, I guess some of what some of what you're getting on the finish was not necessarily what I would have expected, but I do like it very much, and There's it's, a it's very moderately priced. Now, now, now that I've been a few a uh, few moments without a sip, there's a lingering aftertaste mm-hmm. that is just there. I don't know that whether it's good or bad; it's just there. But I wasn't expecting, and it's different from the rest of the flavors on this. However, uh, the that just kind of encourages you to keep drinking it. Right? I get I get a little bit of almost blue corn. Yeah, maybe on that aftertaste that you're talking about. Maybe it is almost corn like and I'm almost tasting. like a rye yeah, yeah. Uh, would give you. You know. Yeah, maybe it's corn I'm tasting. Mm. Interesting. What does a bottle of that go for? Uh, okay, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it is in the neighborhood of twenty three, twenty four for the little uh, bottle. And, I, I'd uh, say that's worth the uh, that's yeah. worth the price, and uh, and it might even be less than that. But uh, that's. Seem like that's what I recall. So you can get the larger size bottle for thirty right, couple, yeah. you know, thirty two, uh, something like that. So, yeah, I think that's pretty good. I think good affordable whiskey is a wonderful trend happening. And right this now. is one of the things with American whiskey in particular. Yeah. There's so much American whiskey, American bourbon right now that is so affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, you immediately think Buffalo Trace and and mm-hmm. and some of the things like that that are so good, and you think, how can this be so inexpensive? You know, it it tastes like, um, you know, it tastes like it it should be you know a little more, but. Please don't listen to me, Buffalo Trace. There's almost a little <laughs> chocolate in there too. Yeah, I'm picking that up, and I think that may be accented a little further when you uh, when you pair it yeah. with the beer. So, uh, so this is our new 
smoking and toasting pairing for those of you like that's pretty looking amazing to go together. do that for the holidays woo baby all right we're going to take a break and come back with our final segment uh, we still have not talked to you about the best drinks uh, uh, to have so that you will not gain weight uh, for the holidays so we'll go over that coming up in the next segment and uh, St. Arnold's Bishop's Barrel number 22 oh the tasting is not over my friend <laughs> it just gets bigger we have BB22 coming up I'm excited uh, you're listening to Smoking and Toasting On the beach in Hawaii. Or Mexico. Either one. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Uh, welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 115. Uh, the best drinks to not gain weight for the holidays, coming up in just a few moments. Uh, did want to give a shout out to your friend uh, Brian, uh, who has uh, been mentioned now several times on the show for his awesome comments. But he points out, and rightly so, that Stone, uh, we were talking about Stone I was saying Stone makes IPAs. If you went and tasted a stout and it was great, you would love it. He points out they've made stouts for years and says the Stone IRS is uh, fabulous. So we will definitely have to get some of that on the show. Because I don't think I've tried a Stone uh, stout. Have we had a Stone stout? Maybe we did. I don't know. We've had a lot of the Stone beers, but I don't know that we've had a stout. I think most of them have been been IPA IPA or other. Variant of some sort, yes. The weirdest one we had was the Chocoveza. That was Stone, right? Yes, that was Stone, yeah. And that's a very interesting beer. Very interesting. (laughs) Very interesting beer. Well, speaking of interesting, Amazon, uh, the the, web company, Amazon.com, uh, it was exciting enough when they started delivering booze right to your door, sometimes in less than an hour. But now they've announced what could be one of the most exciting features yet. They've teamed up with Balmore to announce the first exclusive bottling of a single malt scotch for Amazon. It's a limited edition expression matured in French oak barrels from Chateau Lagrange, and it is bottled at 48.9% ABV. The bottle will be available for $153. Uh, It's said to feature aromas of candied apple, honey, and light peat smoke with a palette of rich toffee, wild honey, and exotic spices. I think they said honey twice there. Uh, This could be, uh, there could be a big future in booze for Amazon, as it's also a retailer for the Johnny Walker's Game of Thrones, um, you know, themed uh, whiskey Mm -hmm. that came out. Uh, Unfortunately, they say, the limited release will only be available across the UK, Germany, Spain, Italy, France, and Japan for now. So, uh, you know, those of you thinking of doing a little European travel. I kind of want them to call it the Amazon Malt. The Amazon Malt? I like that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I do. Uh, <laughs> Bezos bourbon. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it could be. There's a lot of different things that you could uh, call it. But anyway, I find that interesting. I'm sure there are, are um, uh, you know, some sort of strange laws in the United States that's keeping them from releasing it here. Otherwise, you know that uh, you know that they would. But it, it would still be it would still be rather interesting, don't you think? Yeah. One of our international listeners should send us that. Yes, yes, that's right. I was an international listener to the show last week, by the way. I was in Mexico <laughs> on vacation. I listened to one of the shows uh, from a couple of weeks ago that's on my awesome. phone. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, all right. It is time for something that I want to say we've done the last four or maybe five of these on the show. And I think they've it all seems been like amazing to one level or another. So I'm actually very excited to try uh, the Bishop's Barrel 22 from our friends at... 
St. Arnold Brewing here in Houston. Uh, that's a wonderful sound, and uh, I'm looking forward to an even more wonderful. What I wonder about. I love this already. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. What I wonder about, think of yourself, like if you're the brewmaster at St. Arnold, and you've released 21 of these uh, of these beers, right? Uh, or say you're the brewmaster at, uh, at Anchor, and you've released 43 uh, Christmas ales. Like, how do you keep finding new and different ways to, you know, keep varying it up and stay at the same quality level? To me, that's where real brewmasters are artisans. You have, know what you, I mean? have you looked up uh, what this is? I, I have not, and I, I, I should have, actually, because... Uh, uh, with the Bishop's Barrel series, it can be a little bit different. Uh, uh, it can be a little bit difficult. I'm going to ask my device. Uh, all right, ask your device. Um, while you're doing that, uh, I'll just try this on the nose. Oh, I'm getting um, interestingly on the nose, Ian. I'm getting the the sort of lighter uh, dried fruits, like like yellow oh, raisins it's fruity, and yeah. and that that sort of style, not the darker sort of date and plum. Uh, sort of dried fruits, but the lighter ones. It reminds me of yellow raisins a little bit on the nose. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and taste this while you're looking up uh, uh, info on it on your uh, device. Let's see. Mm. Wow. Bishop's Bear. It's a honey saison aged in Chardonnay barrels. There is honey like crazy with on peaches, this peaches, apricots, and Brettanomyces. So that probably should have a little bitter or a little tartness. It, it to does it, have right? some tartness, and it's really all of the things that you just mentioned. I can I can detect in the flavor of this so, very very easily. It's their Icon Gold mm-hmm. Texas Honey Saison aged in Chardonnay barrels with peaches. And apricots. So you know how when you have a really delicious Chardonnay, uh, a, like a really crisp white wine that has that sort of apple and peach and those just really sort of tangy it keeps clean fruits, blossoming, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And and that's what the Chardonnay that I'm talking about would do mm-hmm. as well on the palate. Is it kind of keeps going after you swallow mm-hmm. it and kind of keeps blossoming is the perfect word. Um, this is not at all what I was expecting because some of the past Bishop's Barrels have been, you know, a much darker, heavier kind of well, a, they have, a beer they, I think the Bishop's Barrels, they're, they're aged versions of other beers that they have, which mm-hmm. hence the name Bishop's Barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, during the brewing process, approximately 800 pounds of Texas wildflower honey was added. You can sure tell the honey in this. Yes. After fermenting with French saison uh, yeast to a bone-dry finish, and it is dry and mm-hmm. delicious, mm-hmm. Uh, we added 1,700 pounds of peach and 900 pounds of apricot puree. Along with Brettanomyces, um, whatever that next word is, <laughs> <laughs> a yeast commonly found in spontaneous uh, fermentation. I'm not even trying. That, that reminds me of that great David Tell, the comedian, who says, all the great writers were alcoholics. Hemingway, that other guy. <laughs> Hemingway. <laughs> that other guy. You know, I started watching, he has a new uh, thing on called Mike Bump or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I started watching it uh, last night with Jeff Ross, I believe is the other guy. Mm-hmm. It was entertaining. Ian, while you are looking that up, I am having more from the bottle here of the uh, Bishop's Barrel 22. This one is 8%, by the way. It's delicious. And, yeah, it doesn't come across like it's ultra huge. You know what I mean? 
Eight percent. I love how dry it is, and you know, uh, this is the second beer today that I'm going to say this about. Maybe it's just uh-huh. a me thing, but uh, the um, the proper amount of uh, uh, bubbles in this, the proper amount of CO two, is uh, is just right on this because it's got enough to make it fun and ticklish a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I use ticklish in the description of a beer. I'm proud of myself right now. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> and you should be. <laughs> it's it's fun like that, but it's not so much that it's distracting. Have you ever had a beer that's uh overcarbonized and it's distracting yes, to swallow? Absolutely. Ranger you know? Creek from San Antonio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their okay. beers like have great flavor, but the carbonation is just too much. So yeah. heavy that it's distracting. And I kind of like carbonation. Yeah, see, and I usually go for low carb, but they got mm-hmm. this. This one and uh the other one was the um that uh, cold front, man, that carbonation is just perfect for the beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think that makes a big difference on the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can drink beer with no carbonation. I'm fine with those. This is really delicious. Yeah. This is this is maybe, I may be enjoying this more this than the last This is dangerously couple. 8%, too, because yes. there's no hint of it. I, it almost tastes like a 4%. Mm-hmm. Like, it almost drinks like a 4%. And it almost drinks more like a wine, even. Mm-hmm. I bet... This would pair with sh- same things Chardonnay would pair with. I will say this: if you are a uh, a guy that you know loves craft beer, and your wife is a bit put off by the bigness and the darkness, and maybe the hoppiness of some of those, Bishop Twenty Two is a perfect craft beer to give your wife if she loves like white wine, and say try this because this would this would just go down so easily for. Someone who is not really into the big beer vibe. It's know? interesting, too, because from that Saison, you still get a lot of that um, banana kind of flavor, but you mm-hmm. don't get a lot of the funkiness. Well, funky in a yes. good way, funk flavors, but I, you don't get a lot of funkiness that you get a lot of times in the uh I will tell you the that the, that Saison funkiness actually puts me off from that style a little bit. Oh, see, I like, like it I, most of the time. I can enjoy it, but like it's not if, if I have other... Choices I will usually go there. You know what I mean, like, right? Because of that, but this doesn't have. There's would, there's a hint of it, right? But it's just way enough, behind all the fruity. Just flavors. enough to make it interesting, yeah. but not to sort of give it that barnyard uh, vibe that sometimes saisons <laughs> can have in 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 my uh, on my palate at least. There is no dankness in this beer. No, it is it is the opposite of dank. We've had dank on the show. We've enjoyed dank. On it's the actually show. a lot of bright flavors going on. I mm-hmm. guess that Chardonnay really perks it up mm-hmm. quite a bit. That plus the the carbonation and 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 the and the banana is a little it's subdued. Almost the way the carbonation dances on the tongue, it's almost like a really good champagne. Yeah, a really good uh, sparkling wine. Yeah, you know, it's except is... not quite so sweet because sparkling wine. Especially the proseccos and stuff that are so popular now. Sometimes I feel like they can be just cloyingly sweet, yeah. uh, and this is not that way at all. Not at all. But it's, no, this, it's is, this might be one of my favorite bishops barrels. Yeah, I I'm a little surprised to admit because I would think I would like the darker ones better, but this is uh, this is just absolutely delicious. So clearly, some alcoholic beverages are more waistline friendly than others. Uh, so. If you're looking to shed pounds, some of your lowest calorie bets. You ready for this? Mm. Holiday time. Lay it on me. <clears throat> uh, ounce and a half shot of vodka, gin, rum, whiskey, or tequila contains an average of only about 97 calories. So you're talking ounce and a half, vodka, gin, rum, whiskey, tequila. That's almost your best bet to go is straight spirits. 
because one of the things about cocktails is they can have you know simple syrups and other kinds of things in them calorie designed calorie. to make them tasty, but a lot of calories get added for that. Um, a glass of champagne, about 84 calories per four ounces. I had no idea. That is not bad. You think of champagne as being a bit like, sweet. Are we, we're talking so about can, real champagne, though. Yeah, we're not talking, talking about, about champagne sparkling or, or, wine. Well, I, I'm sure most sparkling wines would fall into the same category. Well, I mean, yeah. like, like, okay, go ahead. Glass of dry white wine, about 120 to 125 calories per five ounces. And a traditional martini with gin or vodka with an average of about 124 calories for a two and a half ounce serving. A light beer, about 100 calories, or a glass of reduced calorie wine. You know they have that skinny... Uh, skinny girl, uh, skinny girl stuff, wine, yeah, yeah. yeah, about ninety to one hundred calories are lower calorie options. Pure alcohol contains about seven calories per gram. That's less than a gram of fat, which has nine calories, uh, but more than protein and carbs, which have four grams of cal- uh, four calories per gram each. Uh, but the variables of your drink, they say, are what really influence the calorie count. The amount of alcohol, the total volume of the beverage, the amount of carbohydrates and sugars in the mixers. All play a role. They say that, generally speaking, the biggest difference in calories and beverages comes from the alcohol content, but the presence of carbohydrates also contributes largely to uh, the calories. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's that's the basic thing. You're almost better off just sipping some tequila or whiskey or uh, even vodka or gin. That's good to know. Yeah. Oddly enough, this article doesn't. Oh, it does mention rum. Um, in this list of spirits where it says uh, an ounce and a half shot of vodka, gin, rum, whiskey, or tequila contains an average of 97 calories. See, I'm always worried when I drink rum, which I love and drank so much of while I was in Mexico this last week, um, but I'm always worried that that is more fattening than, Because say, it's a much sweeter. Right, and because it's made from sugar cane. Right, so right. it's like, uh, so, so you would think that vodka or tequila or whiskey would be, you know, potentially uh, less. But according to this, it's it's about the same. So that's, that's well, good to know. Well, by that logic, you know, vodka's made from potatoes a lot of times. Right? That's true. And you got a lot of starch, a lot <laughs> that's of carbohydrates. A lot of starch so. and carbohydrates. Actually, you can make vodka from almost anything. Yeah, that's apparently. true. So, true, yeah. true. so it's very interesting. I, I will say the place that we were uh, staying in Mexico for the wedding had actually live agave plants growing on the property. Awesome. And I was just so tempted to, like, you know, like cut some of the uh, leaves off and, or whatever you call the stalks or whatever uh-huh. you call them, and bring them home. But I thought I wouldn't know the first thing about what to do with them. Plant it on your porch? Yeah. Oh, that that would be fun. I would like to have an agave plant on my porch. <laughs> that would uh, that would be I awesome. think they grow a little too big. Or maybe yeah. they just grow to the size of the pot you put it in. Yeah, like most things do. Uh, Ian, it has been a wonderful show for number 115. Let me talk to you a little about the next couple of weeks on the show because Ooh, I am, this is exciting. I am very excited about our uh, upcoming shows. Uh, one week from today on the 6th of December, Jason Poehler will be joining us. Jason Poehler is with That's exciting. My Father's father Cigars. cigars. Yeah, yeah this is going to be So uh, we will likely be on location next week and be uh, uh, be smoking and, and enjoying I mean my father. Is there a hotter brand really in like, the cigar industry? Does that right brand now? make a, a cigar that's less I've, than outstanding? I was I've never had one that wasn't outstanding, so that'd be interesting to ask him. Like, come on, 
have you ever lit up one of your cigars and thought, yeah, it's just okay? You know, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I would be surprised. And then coming up on the 13th, a week from then, our good friend Alan Denny will join us along with Jose Blanco, Jose Blanco from EP Carrillo. Uh, which is where that's going to be works. awesome. So they'll be talking about you know one of their cigars just got a huge rating as Alan was predicting it would by the way in Cigar Aficionado this last month. So uh, you know there's going to be no talking to those. We're going to talk them out of yeah. some more of those Rigmasters. Right? Oh yes we are, yes we are. So, uh, so we'll be doing that show by the way live from Maduro's, uh, which is where the man cave used to. That'll be, be awesome. So looking forward to that. I wonder if Chris mm-hmm. Hart's going to show up to that because you realize. That's going to put Alan Denny on this show one more time than Chris Hart. And these guys apparently have some kind of a competition. There's, there's going a rivalry on. Yes, there. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I don't. I don't really understand why that's a big deal. But because we're cool. <laughs> Come on. Uh, then coming up on the twentieth, uh, scheduled to appear, as they say on uh, on late night TV talk shows, uh, Abby Perry from Whitmire's. We'll be on the that show. That ought to be awesome. Yeah. So that's plus I'm going to see Stephen Wilson that night, which I'm very psyched about. Sweet. Yeah. He's a just like killer progressive rock musician. He's awesome. Porcupine tree. You familiar with porcupine tree? Nope, right? Not. Oh, oh, dude. I gotta I gotta lay some music on you. All right. Uh, so we got cigars to smoke. We got whiskey to drink. And we got music to listen to. Could life get any better? It's gonna be awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, big congratulations to our uh, producer uh, Adam, who uh, got married this week. Uh, Adam, thank you for uh, everything you do on the show. And uh, yeah, a little applause is uh, is appropriate. Um, I am uh, officially uh, out of stuff to do, and we're out of time, so we can't sample the Mumford & Sons IPA or the Yellow Rose, but we'll try to get to that uh, uh, maybe on uh, on later shows. So uh, until uh, we meet again next week when we'll be smoking my father's cigars, uh, I encourage you to be uh, nice to one another, and uh, cheers. Cheers. Everybody. Ian, I missed you, brother. I missed you, bro. What the same like you in the show. Uh-huh.